Welcome to Smart Parent Successful Students Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Panos. I run a tutoring company for K through 12 students who need help with reading, math, writing, study skills, ACT, SAT, prep, and more. My tutors work both virtually and in person. We specialize in really getting to know your kids and helping them thrive. I was a teacher and leader in a Georgia school system for 25 years. I saw what worked and what didn't. And there are definitely some gaps that teachers can't touch, which is why our tutors are so important. Teachers can only do so much. I'm here to bridge that gap between parents and teachers to help your kids become successful in school and beyond. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Smart Parents Successful Students podcast. And I am here today, and I know the intro already told you I am their host today, Helen Panos. Um, And in next season, while I'm talking about this, uh, Bill McElhaney will be actually doing a lot of these interviews uh, starting in season eight, and he is my assistant. So you will be seeing more of Bill. He's also recording several um, of season seven along with me. And so you're going to get to know uh, my assistant, Bill, here soon if you don't already know him. But I wanted to welcome Lynn McLaughlin to the show today. Thank you for uh, joining me, Lynn. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Helen. Um, Well, Lynn is uh, actually out of Ontario, Canada, and um, she owns the company Lynn McLaughlin Company. And um, Lynn, why don't we just start off by you... Well, I'm going to start off by telling everybody a little bit about you, and then you can tell us a little bit about your journey. Um, Lynn served on three different school boards as a superintendent of education, principal, vice principal, teacher, and educational consultant. Now retired, in addition to her business, Lynn continues to be active in education, teaching future educational assistants at her local college. She hosts the inspirational podcast, Taking the Helm and speaks with guests who have overcome crisis in their personal or professional lives. As an award-winning and best-selling author, Lynn is an active Rotarian dedicated to community causes. She is a member of the 100 Women Who Care, Windsor, Essex, and works tirelessly to support the goals of the Brain Tumor Foundation of Canada. Wow, that's awesome, Lynn. Very. Uh, I I am a brain tumor survivor, so I mean, I certainly wow. have a connection, a connection with that community for sure. Thanks for that. <laughs> oh wow, that's awesome. Um, so tell us a little bit about your journey to what got you to where you are today, what you came from, which you know you have an educational background, to um, you know what what brought you to forming your company. Yeah, I'm just going to flash forward to um, my decision to retire in uh, September of 2018. Um, I had had a brain tumor, as I just mentioned, back in 2013. And prior to that, I was like, like probably the majority of listeners right now, you're on that treadmill, you, you run, you go, you can't keep up, you fall off, you're just in this ongoing Uh, what do I do next? What do I have to do? You know, as opposed to being present, as opposed to taking time for your own personal care, as opposed to being aware of how you're affecting people around you because you're not well yourself. Um, So that was a wake up call for me. And I wish the universe had been a little kinder, but um, they certainly did make me stop in my tracks. I was able to return to work eight months later on a graduated return. 
I had to totally learn how to do things differently. Thank God for technology and an amazing team. And five years later, when it was time to retire, I did. Um, I actually stayed one year longer, and this will connect with what you're doing very well, Helen, because we were putting uh, two research-based reading intervention programs in our school board at the time. And I wanted to stay until they were in every single elementary school um, with all of the data and the research that we had done to support it. And so I retired and I did that for a year. I call it, you know, squirrel. Hey, well, what do I do now? You know, I was <laughs> in college. I moved to post-secondary, loved teaching in post-secondary, but I needed more. And so I met this community of people like you, Helen, in these collaborative networks, I didn't even know uh, entrepreneurs were, I mean, they were, were everywhere. I say, well, now, isn't that great? <laughs> yeah, and, that's true. <laughs> and just meeting this community of people and, and, and hearing their voices and thinking, but nobody knows about them. Nobody knows what they're doing. Nobody's hearing their messages. So I started the podcast and I had already published a book about my brain tumor. Uh, long story short, um, a lot of people around me were struggling with debilitating anxiety to the point that their lives were detrimentally being affected. I saw it as a teacher. I saw it as an educator. I saw it in my own family. I saw it with one of my own children um, and moved to a, a, through a year and a half of H-E double toothpick uh, in my mind, trying to save my daughter when I was actually causing her more detriment to herself by not allowing her. Uh, I was the creeper. I was the, is she okay? And all of those kinds of things. And so I wrote a book about that as well from the parent of a or perspective of a parent and um, that adult child who's going through it. But when I was finished with all of that, it, it just, why are so many of us so close to the ledge or falling over the ledge? And I started doing some research and I called my niece, who's a, who's a practicing, who was in her master's of the program to be a, um, a social worker. And we combined forces to move into a proactive approach and say, all right, we're in this reactive society, Helen, where we wait till we have symptoms to say, oh, something's not right. You know, so I better check into that or without really saying, what can I do to be proactive to prevent this? If we know that 13% of the world's population right now is, is the world globally is suffering from some type of mental illness, why are we waiting to react when we should be doing something much, much sooner? So we've moved into a proactive, how do we give kids the tools so that they can face these problems that you and I never faced uh, in their young ages as adults in a positive problem-solving way throughout their lives and giving them tools. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. And I, I went on a little bit much, but that that journey of step-by-step -step is where what got me to where I'm doing today in collaboration with many other people. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I just actually was reading this morning about New York's mayor uh, is going to do something about mental health and um, the police officers, I guess, are going to admit them or they have the capabilities now of admitting them to and taking them to a hospital, even if they don't want to go. Mm. So, so I, I, I'm hoping Atlanta will do something similar to that because I've seen some things that definitely, yeah, need to be taken care of. And uh, I'm glad to hear that you've partnered up with your niece and providing these resources <laughs> to parents because, wow, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of mental health issues going on, different, you know, levels of it. And the sooner I'm sure people can get the help they need, the better. Um, so let's go into a, a question. Why is there a growing number of children globally struggling with their mental health today, do you think? 
Well, I've got two answers. One of them is not very popular. I'll save that one for a second. Okay. <laughs> um, you can talk to any educator, any educator. Um, uh, the Center for Addictions and Mental Health is our largest teaching, a mental health teaching hospital in Canada. And they did a, 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 a not province, sorry, countrywide uh, survey of teens between uh, grade seven and grade 12 in 2021. And 47% of them, Helen, 47% said they were they were experiencing um, not the word debilitating, extreme anxiety or depression on a regular basis. That's half, that's half of our young people, almost my goodness. Yeah. So, and the research will tell you a lot of the reasons and they're very, very true. We go pre, if we go pre pandemic, we still our our number of kids were climbing and climbing and climbing who are struggling. We know that. Um, now you add in gaming and addictions and social isolation and online learning and, all of those things that they're having to do to cope, right? To cope mm -hmm. with what's been thrown at them. The other pieces, and, and the lack of resources, let's be, when we get to the point where they need help, we have now got this system in, you know, Canada is universal healthcare, but <laughs> okay, that sounds great. And that's wonderful. And there are a lot of things that we do have here, but the wait times when you actually want services are crazy ridiculous when someone's so close to the ledge. So now we get created this. Yes, yes, yes. We need to put in more supports. Now, now people are starting to talk about it and saying, yes, I need support, but it's not enough there. Mm. And I want to say what's not so popular. And we need to look in the mirrors as adults ourselves. We really do. Because if 13% of the world's population is suffering some, some type of anxiety or depression, that's us. How many people around you in your own family, um, children in your own classrooms, if you're a teacher, how many teachers are struggling themselves day by day? I mean, we can go on and on about this, but my mission is to make help people to become conscious and make conscious and positive choices. And when we get and when I go back to that time of being on the treadmill, we're not making conscious. We're just do, 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 doing because we got to do, 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 do mm -hmm. we need to stop. And our little people are sucking up what we give them like sponges. We know that. So rather than, and so when we talk about, you know, you talk about emotional literacy, those kinds of things, that word's not very popular, but really what it comes down to is making ourselves self-aware, building empathy and self-compassion. Just imagine if I blew up at my, and trust me, I was guilty of this and I still am, but I will catch myself now. My kids are all adults. If I came home from work and had a terrible day and was and and blew up at one of my kids, mm -hmm. wouldn't it be wonderful if we all said, you know, came to a point where we calmed ourselves and went back to our child and said, I am so sorry. I had a terrible day at work. You did not deserve this. I apologize. Then our children start to see us as humans and not, you know, we're human beings. And then and then it gets reciprocated. We start to have that kind of mutual relationship of self-compassion and caring. And then imagine mm -hmm. if we, if children could pick up on the signs of their peers on the playground or wherever they are to say, oh my gosh, my friend's not, not, doesn't look so happy today. And then mm -hmm. being there to support them. If we could build a world of empathy with children now, imagine what the future would look like. It comes down to us as parents. And I just want to add something in the children's book series that we've put out, Helen, it's, it's had an impact we did not expect. Because I'm from the suck it up better buttercup generation, right? We didn't talk about our emotions. We didn't talk right. about how we're feeling. You just did it and moved on. Well, a lot of us are carrying trauma from experiences we had that we never dealt with. We have to, first of all, become aware with that, deal with that, and not project those kinds of things onto our children. Um, and whether that's nieces or nephews or whatever. 
But it's the adults who are saying to us in each of these books that has a specific strategy to teach that they didn't know the strategies themselves. Mm-hmm. And older siblings who are reading to their younger siblings are also learning them, even though it's a children's book and it's a fun way. So, so it's about us, I think, looking in the mirror and saying, what do I need to change? What am I projecting out so that I can raise a child who can make positive and conscious choices be all of those things I just uh, referred to with social emotional literacy. Special message from Dynamis Learning Academy. Sarah did well on her SATs in every area except math, which she had scored 200 out of 800. Her mother struggled to find a program to help Sarah with the area she struggled in. She came to Dynamis Learning Academy and we set up an individual program customized for her so it would help her increase her score. When she took the test again, she increased her score by 400 points. If your child is struggling with SAT or ACT prep and you know they will benefit from individual support, connect with us at Dynamis Learning Academy. We can be reached at 770-282-9931. Thank you. Wow, that's powerful. <laughs> that's a lot. That's I know awesome. it's a lot. It's oh, no. true, though. We have to look in the mirror. We really do. And oh, and my God, and even ourselves. Helen, do you get, how much social media do you take? I'm not going to put you on the spot, but I took Facebook off my phone. I mm-hmm. I mean, I, I intentionally, when I catch myself scrolling and I still do, no, this is a total waste of my time. It's meaningless. And our kids are getting sucked into that. And when they see us doing it, we're telling them it's okay. That's mm-hmm. the way we do things today. It's really mm-hmm. not helpful. It's not healthy. Right. Especially some things that they're looking at, like they're picking up here in the U.S., they're picking up TikTok challenges and things like that. Uh, I mean, I I believe social media can definitely be a good thing with all the pictures. I love seeing all these trips that my friends are on right now. <laughs> yes. One is in Antarctica. One is in, I'm living vicariously through them. One is <laughs> in um, Africa. She's gone, gone on a 45-day trip, cruise ship. And she's gone everywhere. And uh, the last part of it was Africa and all the amazing animals. Oh. I, I might not ever see that in my life. And now I'm thinking, oh, I might need to make a trip to Africa. Oh, yeah. just to do this You're an story. armchair traveler. <laughs> an armchair yeah. traveler. But so you know I what? Try, that's a personal I connection. I try not to um, get caught up in that. But of course, I'm older. And, you know, being an educator, I'm aware if it feels like, yeah, I do probably waste a lot of time scrolling and doing things like that. But I... I think the biggest problem our young kids can't handle is they they get too influenced by what they see, comparing yes. themselves to other people. Uh, oh, why can't I have that? And they don't realize that, hey, a lot of people sometimes use these filters to make themselves look better. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> people my age are doing that. All right. So um, I think, you know, parents have to be aware that they need to educate and, and make their children aware that, hey, this is social media. People can change the way they look. They It's kind of like being in a celebrity magazine. Celebrities are brush aired and, and there's all this technology that can fix things nowadays, right? So um, the more kids put that in, in their head and realize that they don't compare, my concern would be they compare themselves to other kids. And then that brings on the anxiety and that brings on the mental health. And then that just goes down the wrong path. Um, but- sure, does. sure does. Can I mention a name, uh, Helen, uh, Jackie Simmons, if anybody has not heard from her, she's done an amazing TED- TEDx talk. She's put out a book and uh, and she the talk that we have to have with our teens about suicide, just like we talk to them about 
drinking alcohol, about not smoking. Um, it needs to be normalized. It needs, needs to be a conversation that we have. And she's got step-by-step -step questions to ask. And you will know if your child is getting close to the ledge. You will yeah. know. Uh, look awesome. her up, Jackie Simmons, amazing, amazing, influential, fantastic woman who's really and, making a difference in the world. And she's down in Florida, I believe. Is she uh, on YouTube or working? Oh, yes. Oh, she's on all YouTube. Social oh, media yeah. Channels yeah, all social media. All social media. So she probably has a page you can follow parents. That that would be great. I think parents need to have as much information so that they can help themselves, help their friends. I'm glad you brought up the point of being aware and conscious because a friend of mine, when I got a divorce uh, years back, I'm remarried now, but um, was helping me move. And we were at a tea house. And this is an adult now. This is not a child. But um, that's why awareness should be even in your own friends right adults whatever but she didn't look good to me and I'm like I said something to her and I was like hey I don't you look different are you okay and she was like um I don't know I'm not sure what's wrong with me and this is a very strong person so I want to bring that up because your kids may be a 4.0 student and I'm dealing with this right now um taking all these AP classes and you think they can do it because they've shown that they can do it all along and then they hit a wall their junior year. So that's what I'm seeing right now. And in my friend, I saw here's a strong supervisor managing people all the time, kind of like a, you know, you're strong being a superintendent, former superintendent, um, you know, dealing with probably hearing a lot of stuff, right, from other employees. This has gotten in her mind, but she had lost her father almost almost a year late earlier so it's taken that many months for it to kick in plus the mother had left and gone out of the country so now she was by herself again an adult and um and a strong one at that and so she immediately i just said to her i want you to go pack up your stuff now we were way far away from her home probably a good hour she would have had to dr drive there i said i want you to go get your stuff and your dog and bring them to my house and she came to my home pretty much every weekend. Then she'd go back because she was closer to work on a Monday, right? So she'd go back on a Sunday night. We were working. She was helping me. I kept her busy. She was helping me, like, do that feng shui where you get rid of everything, right? <laughs> <laughs> so she was helping me. And so we were busy day in, day out, all hours of the day until 2 a.m. in the morning sometimes. So, and I did that for, like, gosh, I think she would come every weekend for six weeks six to eight weeks. And that really helped her. And then I kind of connected her with somebody to talk to as well. And she did a little bit of that as well. So it, it, it just kind of came up. I think it was from the loss of her father as well, but it didn't hit her until her mother left to go out of the country. Now the house was quiet. So parents, I just want to say, even if you have a 4.0 student, even if you have a kid that's a go-getter all along and they appear to be strong all along, they may hit a wall. You, we all do need to be aware and conscious. So what changes need to happen to change the future? You think of our children to one self-confidence, uh, self-compassion, empathy, and a, and a healthy well-being. What do you think, Lynn? I think it's, I'll go back to what I said. First of all, it's us. So it doesn't matter. Even with my kids are in their 20s right now, I've changed my relationship with them because I've done some deep work myself in terms of when my daughter was going through what she was going through. I had to because I was I was on the floor myself. I was like the lowest of the lowest. So terrified about what could happen. I had to do a lot of deep 
a lot of deep soul searching um, all the way back to my childhood to find out why I'm such a control freak. <laughs> and I did, and I figured it out and it's really helped me to back wow. off. Um, she's actually in Indonesia teaching right now, which is a whole other kettle of fish lear learning an entirely different culture. Um, but it, it starts with us and becoming aware and getting rid of our own baggage in whatever way we can. Uh, and maybe, you know, if we can't, if we can't, if we're not even, we know something's there deep inside of us, but we just don't want to deal with it. Okay. That's one thing. That's your personal choice to do it. But if we can be aware of what we're projecting out, because um, if I'm, a, if I became a control freak, I am projecting a control freak into my family. I got to back off on that. Right. We have to help our kids learn to be independent. We have to celebrate when they do those things. We have mm -hmm. to give them positive reinforcement. And we do that ourselves by being real people and having those open and honest conversations with them. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, so becoming our consciously aware of what we're putting out into the world and then Every single day, do something. We got to do something for ourselves. And that's not easy if you're a parent who's working three jobs to just put meals on the table. But a 10 minute walk, um, sitting outside on a bench, um, having a bath, something that helps you become present and aware of what's happening around you. Because, like I said, you get on that treadmill, you don't have time to think unless you make the time to think. And the second one is to teach the kids way back until they're seven years old, they're, they're developing their moral compass really, really young reading aloud to kids when they're four or five years old in positive ways, but not just read alouds, giving them the tools that they can use for life. And our children's book series is only one example. There are many, many, many out there. But if a child could go out into the world and head off into school or even in grade two, three, four, and have four strategies that, that they can use when they feel, first of all, they understand their emotions. You know, what do we talk? Sad, happy, sad, glad, mad, maybe was what we learned when we were kids. No, it's about building, you know what the comparison is? And I love this when I heard it. If you go into a country, maybe it's because my daughter's in Indonesia. I just thought about that. If you go into a country and you didn't know the language, you're really, really, really going to struggle. Well, if you don't understand what your emotions are, they can't use the right language. They don't know what to do with them. So we have to go back to teaching the emotions, the emotional vocabulary so that they understand, oh, okay, this, this is worry. I'm feeling worry. Um, and then pick a strategy to deal with the worry, to get them to a positive place. Because when we're worried, there's a reason. There's a reason mm -hmm. we're worried. And we got to get back to identifying what that worry is, but we have to teach them that. That doesn't happen overnight. So when we teach children these strategies that become ingrained in them, it's over and over and over again, right? Until they can take it and run with it. And we right. have to, they have to apply it to their own context, right? So I can teach the strategy of I have choices, but then I need to say, okay, what happened in your life today? And then you take that strategy and help them apply it to what just happened. Mm hmm. Wow. That's powerful. Yep. Mm. <laughs> um, good stuff, though, and things people definitely need to hear. So I'm glad we're I'm so glad we met. <laughs> Me too. Um, yes. And I definitely have to put you on one of my Facebook lives in January. So we'll talk about that, too, because I think, you know, this is just one way parents would see you. But another way would be be on live during lunchtime and and see if we can do that as well. But what can we do as adults to learn strategies that we can model for the children and teens in our lives? I think we do what we're doing right now, um, Helen, what people are listening. Listen to podcasts, read books, listen to audiobooks if you're not a reader. Um, reach out and follow people that are that are that are making a difference in this world and learn from them and seek some help for yourself. Um, and you know, sometimes that help is getting together with a bunch of friends. And having a conversation. When I had my brain tumor, my husband's therapy was getting together with friends and having a few drinks to talk about it. Just <laughs> people, yeah. people have different ways, right? There are 
there are, um, oh, I'm not supposed to use the word um, alternative, but I com uh, comparable treatments like walking in nature, going to a gym, finding something that you love, getting together with friends, finding someone to talk to, dialing that emergency phone number if you need to. Uh, they use text messaging now for, for children's emergency lines, for helplines, for adult lines. There's lots of different ways, but just don't keep suffering yourself. Get the help that you need. And you know what? You're going to put it out to the universe. Wherever you're going in a more positive way, it's going to come back at you. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, churches, any community yes. type yes. things, because I volunteer had, work. I yes. Yes. Even someone I encountered, I won't go into any detail about it because I won't want anybody attaching it to anyone here. But um, I knew I've known somebody for like 40 years and the way they spoke to me at church not too long ago, I actually had to I felt the need. The person next to me didn't know this person. They asked me about them and he was concerned enough to email me the next day. This was recently and uh, asked me what the deal was because that person was on his mind after what he heard. And that then started to really concern me more. I reached out to somebody else that I knew knew her. And I said, so what, what's going on here? Because this is not the typical, um, you know, speaking that I hear coming out of her. And so uh, I contacted the priest, actually, to let him know that I was concerned. And so was somebody else in the parish about this person. Um, and you know, and then they 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 knew who she was um, and they immediately spoke with her. Um, so sometimes I think people don't reach out because they think it's going to cost money. Therapists are expensive or or whatever, but there are a lot of free resources. I want to say that yeah. you can go in terms of children, you can go to your social worker, your psychologist, your, you know, start with your assistant principal, right? I'm sure you know this being a superintendent and a lot of other resources that they've probably added on since I've been out of the school system now for about two and a half years that they've had, they know. I mean, I know right when I was leaving, there was a lady next to me that they brought in a different company. It was an outside company and you could uh, see they would be there temporarily, like part-time throughout the week. And if, if a kid really needed some help, they could come in and speak to that person, um, mm -hmm. like a therapist. So they had already contracted out in this county um, to have a company come and sit in different schools and and have the kids come there. And then I think if they were going to see them for a long period of time, there may be a sliding scale or something where they could afford to continue on. And it's not just a one-time shot, maybe. So there, I'm sure school systems are doing more and more in the mental health arena. I even have a tutor that just told me, he's young too, just got into teaching. He just told me the other day he's going to go full time in a full time program. He's going to get accepted at Georgia State here in downtown mm -hmm. Atlanta to go uh, leave teaching and go into mental health. So Wonderful. he's going to he's going to be great, too. Do you have um, do you have support staff? Well, we have, for example, child youth workers. And uh, in the board that I'm in, Windsor, Ontario, we have 34,000 students. We have a child youth worker in almost every school, if not more than one. And they're the go-to people. They're not teachers. They are specifically there. Some kids check in with them every morning and they see how they're doing before they carry on with their day. Uh, they'll help kids make decisions about them. Um, can I take three courses this semester? Can I take four? Ours are, our full course load is four. Mm. Uh, per semester, having someone on site really makes a difference. So, you know, regardless of who those people are in a school, if, if your child can find one person in that school that they connect to, 
uh, and a, a teacher, a custodian, a secretary, whatever, whoever that person is, that makes a difference mm-hmm. to someone. It really does. I always say, Len, who do your children see the most? And that's what we do as a company. I have my tutors connect with the teacher by the parent giving us permission over email. Right. And that is huge because we all know as educators being inside a school system that that a teacher is going to talk differently actually to us being being they know we're educators versus the way they would talk to a parent. I hate to say I can get more information than a parent can. I always say to a parent, we do that because I think that's a huge key. First of all, what separates us as a tutoring company And I just, I am very passionate about that really helps a child because who sees your child the most? Not you as a parent, really, (laughs) because they're at school the majority of the time of their life during the week. And us as tutors, we might see them one hour a week or two hours a week, you know, so it's the educator, it's the teacher. So yes, y'all, everybody needs to find somebody in that building that they can definitely go to. And in my school, we had a mentoring, um, thing that was called pause and so uh, teachers that do not teach the typical kids I may have a different grade level that came to me um, like 20 minutes every day or 20 minutes every Friday so they knew they could always come and talk to me I was told I didn't teach them I might be even a different grade level they would never have me so we were doing that as well at the school that I was at so I I know these school systems are doing a whole lot more now I'm sure. Well, you know what my my oh my big wish would be if every single classroom practiced mindfulness every day. Mm-hmm. We learned it ourselves. It could be a ten minute activity. We we learn it ourselves, and then and then our children then learn that that can become a practice that helps a lot of people for life. I want to mention a document, Helen, that parents might uh, find helpful. It's called Shared Solutions. Um, we use it here in Ontario, and really, it is a guide when um, when you're having conflict as a parent or as a teacher between a parent and a teacher. It's kind mm-hmm. of a step-by-step guide that takes you through, try this first, try this, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's been very, very helpful. So I would just, um, uh, Shared Solution, Ontario Minister of Education is the name of the document. I can send you the link if you'd like. Okay, yeah, send me okay. the link and we'll put it sure. in the podcast notes too. Yeah. Okay. So what where can, um, what would you like to share with our audience? I know you have a, you've mentioned the children's book series. You want to talk a minute about that? Oh, sure. Oh my gosh. That's, that's fun. Our illustrator is actually a secondary school. She, she was in secondary school when we hired her. She's incredible. She's here from Windsor, Ontario too. We created this fictitious planet where the beings are all just imaginative and they're based on crystals. So every single one of them is named after a crystal and designed after a crystal and the planet is made of crystals. And we create situations that every child can, can relate to and then walk them through an adult being comes out, but the children on this planet, excuse me, excuse me. The children on this planet glow in the color they're feeling because they haven't been able to control their emotions yet. So that's how we're teaching the emotional vocabulary. In the first book, Zerko comes out orange, right? Because orange means worried. And then we walk Zerko and their friends through a process to get them to get them to teach the strategy at the end. And on the back of every book, we have a QR code so you can get an additional teaching resource, which I said earlier, helps your child work through a scenario they're dealing with in their own life and apply that strategy. And so um, three books are out. The fourth is about to come out. uh, And then the fifth book by the end of March. So um, any, and we also have a little set of crystals and the crystal vocabulary that we have that goes along with the book. It makes it really, really interesting. So if anybody wants to buy a set 
um, I, I'd love to offer them a 20% discount on a set of three books would be available right now uh, with the crystals and the, uh, the accompanying explanations. I'd be oh, my cool. honor. Awesome. Use That's the code. What, what, what code can we use? Um, um, what's the name of your pot? Oh, sorry. Smart parents, successful smart, students. Smart, smart parents. I sent it to you last night and I just blanked on it. Smart parents. <laughs> you put the, email me with the code, with the subject line, smart parents. Um, and I'll get in touch with you with for a 20% discount. And your email, you want to say your email and where sure. where are you on social media as well? Email is Lynn, L-Y-N-N, at Lynn McLaughlin, M-C-L-A-U-G-H-L-I-N.com. My website is lynnmclaughlin.com and you can find me on pretty much every social media platform. All the links are on my webpage, information on the books, the podcast, it's all there. It's all in one place. Cool. Instagram, LinkedIn, all of that. Terrific. All of it. Even Twitter. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure about Twitter right now, but soon. <laughs> <I'm still laughs> That's kind of changing, right? <laughs> Never know when things are changing, you know, where, where you need to be. Well, I appreciate you offering the audience a 20% discount. Uh, this might make a great, uh, holiday or whatever easter gift later on me myself and i uh, i have a godchild so i may have to look into that as well <laughs> and um i think the sooner parents start looking at these things and i mean i know parents have a lot on their plate but um you really do have to arm yourself and educate yourself because there's a lot of things going on out there and the more, and I want to promote weekly meetings, the parents of mine that have weekly meetings, they tell me about them. I find uh, definitely really know what's going on with their kids. And um, I want to suggest that parents do something like that on a Sunday. You just kind of do a check-in for 30 minutes with all your children. Um, because I know back in the day, we would sit down at a dining room table and eat dinner together. And that's yep. kind of how we chatted. I was talking to a parent about this yesterday. So I said, that's not really going on in today's world. So the world has changed the way the family unit works and operates. And I think parents are going to have to be strategic and figure out how to make sure that their kids are being heard, that they can pick up on these things early on and then reach out to you know, us as an advocacy uh, company, I am rebranding into advocacy because I don't feel like tutoring is the only way to do this anymore. It has mm -hmm. to kind of go hand in hand and we can assist and, you know, jumping in with the school and helping you navigate that and getting you the resources you want. I point people to the right direction as well if I can't do it. So I, I love the weekly meetings, um, the weekly meetings, because then you, if, if you do that strategically, hey, again, we're talking about making conscious decisions, right? one-to-one -one with each of your children, you're going to see, you'll be able to pick on things that you might not have if you didn't have those weekly meetings or the check-ins or whatever they're going to be. I love it. I think it's brilliant. And I'm even going to start meeting with my tutors more frequently, me or my operations guy, and we're going to ask them what's going on specifically. What do you see in that child? So we're kind of taking the tutoring to a whole other level, <laughs> actually, because again, more just eyes academic, on things. Yeah. yeah. More eyes you have on a child, the better. Your neighbors, I mean, everybody's like, check on your neighbors, check on other people. That's what they mean, folks. <laughs> true. It's true. And what you did for your friend there for six weeks on weekends, you probably you took her in a direction she might not have otherwise gone. She could have been suffering a lot longer. So um being aware of people around you, you know, that's empathy. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, true. Gosh, it is. And a lot of people are alone, so they don't have anybody at home that's going to pick up on things. So we need to be aware of the ones who are alone, right? Very true. Well, well, thank you very much, Lynn, for joining me on um, the show. And I know this is going to be very valuable, probably one of the top uh, podcasts, I'm sure. And um, I want to thank everybody for joining us today. And we will see you again on the next show. Take care for now, folks. Thank you for listening to Smart Parents, Successful Students Podcast. I hope this episode has been insightful and inspirational. Wherever you're listening, be sure to go ahead and subscribe to get the next episodes and to join our email list by going to www.dynamuslearningacademy.com backslash podcast backslash. Also, it would warm my heart if you reviewed the podcast on Spotify and shared it with your community. And remember, I believe that every child would benefit from getting extra support outside the classroom, whether they are struggling or are part of an advanced or gifted program, because teachers just can't do it all. Please connect with me about our K-12 tutoring, SAT or ACT prep classes, and writing workshops to help your child excel in school. I can be reached through email at helen at dynamuslearningacademy.com or by phone at 770-282-9931. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.